0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo, high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome Welcome to the Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. Welcome to the Ron Show on the America One Radio app at AmericaOneRadio.com and happy hump day to you. Big day for the Ron Show since we've been on in October. We have yet to have a presidential candidate on the show. Well, that streak ends today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Marion Williamson joins us, uh, 2020 <coughs> candidate, now 2024 candidate. Thanks for making the time today, I appreciate oh, that.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, how much traveling have you been doing?
1: New Hampshire, South Carolina, Michigan, Nevada. No Iowa? Georgia. No, Well, you know Iowa, I certainly spent a lot of time in Iowa last time, even mm. lived there for a while. Oh. But um, unfortunately, uh, Iowa has been removed, you know, from that early state mm. um, uh combination so
0: but georgia got the bump or we think yeah, it'll yeah, get the bump. things
1: are changed around
0: yeah well welcome to atlanta we appreciate you making some time to talk with us today Thank you. um so i know that uh oprah winfrey holds you in high regards new york times best-selling uh self-help author um did you decide to run for president in 2020 because oprah wasn't going to run for president how did that work no because you know a lot of people talked about oprah as yeah, a as but
1: there was no connection whatsoever yeah between my deciding to run for president and my thoughts about what Oprah might do with her career.
0: So, on that note, here we are stepping into 2024. President Biden just announced his reelection uh, intentions yesterday. And that, that same mindset seems to take hold for you, right? Like, that's that's not a factor in whether or not you decided to run for president. Can you explain your thought process?
1: You mean whether or not Biden would run again? Yeah. Well... Obviously, I wouldn't be running mm. if I thought that the agenda that the president will present to the American people in 2024 is an adequate platform, first of all, to uh, defeat the Republicans in 2024. But secondly, in order to repair the country, mm. I think we need fundamental economic reform. We have 39 percent of Americans who now report that they skip meals to pay their rent and 44% of millennials, 68,000 people dying every year of lack of health care, half of our seniors living on $25,000 or less a year, a third of our workforce living on $15 an hour or less less than 15 and unable to find a place to live. So no, things are not going well. Mm. And the president's incremental approach to turning things around. is not an approach to turning things around. It's an approach that has to do with trying to make it easier for people to survive an unjust economic system. I don't think that that's what the Democratic Party should be doing. I'm I'm more of a Roosevelt Democrat. Mm. I think the Democratic Party should demonstrate an unequivocal and unabashed support for the working people of the United States, which would not just mean alleviating stress. It would mean fundamental economic reform. I don't think that anything less than that will defeat the Republicans in 2024. But more importantly, I don't think anything less than that will heal this country.
0: Do you think President Biden had the political capital and wherewithal in his first term to accomplish things more than... in? On an incremental pace.
1: Yes, I do. I mean, certainly there were the obstructions of um, of mansion and cinema, and if we could have gotten the bill back, better uh, a bill passed, that would have been extraordinary. Absolutely, I will give you that. On the other hand, um, let's look at things such as this. The president has said that he and promised that he would raise the minimum wage, which has not been raised in thirteen years. Mm-mm. Okay, so he does the federal, and then it gets to. The time to put it in the bill. Well, guess who stopped it? The parliamentarian. The parliamentarian has no actual political power. I can't imagine the Republican Party being stopped by the parliamentarian. (laughs) So this was a convenient way to get out of of raising it. The president said that there would be no federal, um, there would be no drilling on federal lands. Mm -hmm. He's actually given more permits than Trump gave. He approved the Willow Project. He gave permits for the exportation of liquefied natural gas. The president, uh, the Democrats were very big on bragging about the fact that they uh, cut child poverty in half with the child tax credit. Great, guess what? It expired six months later, and they just never got around to permanentizing it. So that's the corporatist democratic playbook. You do just enough or just enough on a performative basis that everybody, since everybody's starving, Mm. you know, they're excited. that Well, it's more than the Republicans would give. But the way I look at it, that's not enough. What the Republican Party has become is a nosedive for our democracy. But what the Democratic establishment elite corporatists are is a managed decline for our country. This kind of neoliberalism is now baked into the cake. The status quo will not disrupt itself. The people have to step in. And that's how I see myself as someone coming from outside of that system uh, with a refusal to play that game.
0: So that being said, will you have a platform to even or be allowed on a dais to answer questions in a organized primary debate calendar or is the democratic party going to do in your mind what the gop did in 2020 that democrats spoke against
1: absolutely you're correct and look what they're trying to do right now that's why i'm grateful to you for having me it's all about independent media for me because they are it's really quite extraordinary you know the democratic party i grew up with the dnc remains in the background until the people have spoken during the primaries when i was uh, young and bobby kennedy and eugene mccarthy primaried um uh, primary johnson nobody thought it was odd or that they shouldn't a friend of mine said to me recently in fact just a few hours ago he said they're acting like you're impertinent like what the hell this is—who this is, uh, who gave me permission to be here? James Madison, with a little help from Susan B. Anthony. This is extraordinary. Who is, what world are we living in now that the Democratic Party just dictates from above? We're regressing, aren't we? It's like 100 years ago with a bunch of men sitting around a, a table smoking cigars, as though they have the right to decide who the candidate should be. They're just planning to shoehorn the president into the nomination. That's not democracy. How can the party— which is claiming, and that I want to be the conduit for the protection of democracy, be so wary of the democratic process. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, there are two other people running here already, myself and, of course, Bobby Kennedy Jr., Um, and they would prefer that we be unpersoned. You know, the other night, David Axelrod was on um, uh, Anderson Cooper, Mm -hmm. and he said, well, the president has no challengers. (laughs) And, you know, uh, Anderson Cooper didn't correct him.
0: Yeah, there does seem to be some media complicity. Uh, yeah, there uh, certainly uh, does. Uh, yeah. It's a
1: political media industrial complex. I learned that uh, when I ran last time.
0: Well, uh, Ms. Williamson, my third question was going uh, to be to be honest and tell, uh, tell us where uh, the Joe Biden presidency has fallen short. And uh, you went ahead and jumped right into that. So <laughs> you, you, you spoke of incrementalism. What do you think, if you were the nominee, you can point to your party and say, we've done well that you want to build upon going forward?
1: Well, the values of the Democratic Party. We're not fascist to begin with. Okay, it's a low know, bar. Fact, but it, that's exactly the point. <laughs> it's, it's a low bar. And yet that's basically what we're trying to say. The Democrats can only go so long saying, yeah, but we're not misogynists. We're not racist, We're not uh, anti-Semites. We're not homophobes. I mean, that's a great thing. But as you said, a very low bar. Mm. What Franklin Roosevelt said was that the only way we could make sure that there would not be a fascist takeover in this country was if democracy delivered on its promises. Mm. Democracy is not living, uh, uh, delivering on its promises. Over the last 48 years, there has been a $50 trillion transfer of wealth from mm-hmm. the bottom 90% to the top 1%. Now, a Republican started it, but no Democrat has stopped it. So that at this point, uh, the Republicans are that... Uh, you know, they'll, they'll they'll just give you crumbs. The Democrat the establishment corporatist Democrats will give you cookies, but you can't survive on cookies either.
0: Do you think Democrats in general and the Biden re-election campaign specifically is banking on an overwhelming dissatisfaction with the American populace with the direction the country's taken with regards to the Supreme Court and uh, individual rights? I I in fact I, I mentioned this on my show yesterday. I thought it was ironic that his re-election rollout video spoke a lot about personal freedoms, but a lot of personal freedoms went away during his first presidency. Not that I'm blaming him, but he, he was maintaining the fort
1: Correct. And it was Democrats who could have codified Roe v. Wade. And it was talking about voting rights, but the Democrats didn't uh, codify any of those either. In terms of scaring people, you must elect us because look how awful the other Mm. guys are. That worked in 2020. And to some extent, it worked in 2022. Mm. I think it's very naive and very unwise of them to assume that that's going to work again in 2024, particularly because of the powerful vote of America's young people. The idea that they're expecting that younger generation to go to war for Joe Biden after he just approved the Willow Project, you have to be so tone deaf. You have to be so unaware. And, you know, I live in Washington now. I live in Washington, D.C. And I'd always heard that it was a bubble. Mm. It's more than a bubble. It's more like a walled city. Some nice people there, don't get me wrong. Mm. But there is such a, there's a blockage Mm -hmm. between what goes on there and any deeper resonant understanding of what's happening in the country that's why we lost in 2016. there were two candidates who said to people i understand your rage because people were legitimately enraged they knew viscerally the system is rigged against me Mm. two people said i see your pain i validate your pain donald trump and bernie sanders Mm. the difference was bernie meant it Uh, you know, Trump isn't brilliant at uh, closing the deal. He'll say whatever he needs to say. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bernie was sincere and wanted to do something about it and would have. So when Hillary comes along and she says, let's just continue the success that we've had for the last eight years, millions of Americans said, what success, lady? i <laughs> drowning here. Yeah. And really resented that she was not acknowledging it. They are doing the same thing now. They are bragging. What are they, what are they bragging about? When you have 39% of Americans who say, I'm skipping meals. Yeah. So they're so proud of themselves. They're so self-congratulatory. We are six inches from the cliff in terms of the state of our economy, the state of our environment, and the state of our democracy. Are they better better than Trump? Of course. But once again, that is not enough and it won't be enough to the voters in 2024.
0: You make a lot of valid points. Uh, one of the things I mentioned, uh, in yesterday's podcast, uh, after the the Biden rollout was he's, he's got a credible case to make, but he's also got some ground to make up. And you mentioned a lot of the, 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 the points that come to light right away. You need a blue tsunami. And I will confess this while, uh, I, I'm, I'm from the Bernie cloth, uh, as, as you are. I also know the limitations because we don't normally get 2022 turnout. We don't normally get midterm <laughs> turnout. That codifies or solidifies Congress that gives the left the same opportunities.
1: Young people, people... showed up in 2022. Mm-hmm. And he, you spit in the face of that generation if you uh, approve Willow Project. Mm-hmm. People showed up in 2020 because they thought they were going to get a raise in minimum wage. Mm -hmm. People showed up. These young people showed up who were carrying tens of thousands of dollars worth of college loan debt. Many people feel the president could have come in there. He could have day one just said, I cancel all of it. Mm -hmm. It would have been actually harder for them to wait. That's an example of what I mean. I'm going to take off $10,000. That leaves many people still with enough of a loan debt that is shackling. Mm -hmm. So, I'm sorry. He could, you know, what I would do is I would deschedule marijuana on day one. I would, uh, I would demand an audit of every cent that the Pentagon spends. I would cancel every single contract that the U.S. government has with uh, union-busting companies. Mm. I certainly would not have sided with the railroad bosses rather than the railroad workers who only want sick pay and you call yourself a labor president. I'm sorry, this idea of, oh, he did a little here and he did a little there mm. and he did a little here, yay. No, no, mm-mm. I, I can't go along with that. And I, I tell you, since yesterday, to see how everybody caved and then all these people are talking about, you know, you said that you're a Bernie person. So all of these people who are now saying, well, we've got to be in there to push him to the left. How are you going to push him to the left if you won't even vote for a lefty in the primary? Mm. What is the strategy for pushing him to the left? Mm. So it's, um, it, what's happening now is an interesting moment of decision on the part of the American left on whether or not uh, as a movement there's a choice here to leverage power.
0: We're on with Marion Williamson, who is running again for president. Democratic primary coming up. Will we even have a Democratic primary? We'll talk about that and more on The Ron Show after this. Welcome back to The Ron Show. We're on with 2024 presidential candidate, Marianne Williamson. Thanks again for the time. You're in Atlanta to uh, do some stops at college campuses, right?
1: Right. I'm speaking at Emory University tonight mm. at 6 p.m. I spoke at Michigan State University two nights ago. Mm. I love talking at the colleges. Mm. I, In order to decide whether or not to do this, part of my due diligence was um, an eight-college tour. Mm. I wanted to know if... I could see Gen Z and if they could see me, you know, Mm -hmm. if there was a real alignment in our worldview and in our policy perspectives. Mm -hmm. So I like it.
0: So you get them or do they get you or is there a little bit of both? I think there's
1: enough of both.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you stay in touch with uh, the, 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 the younger voter?
1: Well, they say I'm a bit of a TikTok, per, uh, <laughs> what do they call it, Marian mania, a bit of a TikTok sensation. Okay. I don't take it for granted. I, you know, who knows if it will continue. But right now we're, they say I'm blowing up on
0: TikTok. On TikTok, <coughs> until we ban it. I mean, I, 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 I'm always hesitant to get on TikTok because I'm like, uh, well, yeah. first of all, I don't care what the Chinese know about me, to be honest with you. What, what do I have to hide from them? But I don't want to get too invested for fear that it's going to go away one day and I put all that time into building it.
1: Well... The issue of capitalism uh, surveillance is not a joke, whether it's an American mm-hmm. company or a Chinese yes. company. So it's not like that's not a serious issue. On the other hand, this is where our young people are getting their information. That's, mm-hmm. And when you look at the what I think of as absolute malfeasance of so much of the corporatized mainstream media, they have every right to look for wherever they can find voices that are revealing to them and... and um, showing them and explaining to them some things going on in the world that are not covered in our mainstream media, and they know it.
0: It's interesting that you note that the younger generation is looking elsewhere. They're not watching Lester Holt like I am. (laughs) They're not tuning into terrestrial radio like we did uh, for news and information and conversation. They're going elsewhere. Uh, I had a guest on uh, a week or so ago who talked about non-compete clauses, and the broadcast industry is rife with non-compete clauses. If I had gotten out of the radio job I had gotten into when I moved here and decided the next day I wanted to launch this show, I would have had
1: to wait a year. And you didn't know when you signed that non-compete clause. Of course not. But these kids will know because they're hearing about it on things like TikTok. Yeah.
0: Well, one good thing I, I think that the Biden administration is looking at is eradicating the non-compete clause yeah, through the Federal are. Trade Commission. So, uh, you know, uh, let's let's give them their due there, I guess. Absolutely
1: true. Uh, there are quite a few places where we can. I mean, it is a democratic administration.
0: Mm. So uh, you're, you're you're at Emory. You said tonight at six, right? And did I understand you? Uh, was there another appearance at Georgia State scheduled? It
1: was supposed to be, but it got canceled. Oh. And it's a bit of a mystery how and why.
0: Oh sorry to hear that you
1: made a phone call huh oh my gosh you Nobody think Nobody knows oh my gosh
0: well you know on that note uh, have you have you picked up the phone or, or, or thrown a text to Bernie and say Bernie what do I do you know yes, can, can you I speak did. up can you say something here
1: <laughs> yes I did and I met with him for about 30 minutes he was very nice I had asked him it was about three months ago I think now okay I had asked him if we could meet Um We met in his office. He was very kind. And then he had said to Business Insider, he said, I know, Marianne, she'll run a strong campaign and bring up important issues. Mm. However, yesterday, Mm. after Biden announced, uh, Senator Sanders did jump on board, said that he will not run endorsed the president, Mm. and then went one step further, I'm afraid. he. One article said that he was discouraging any other high-visibility progressives from doing so, which that I found disappointing. I I read in another article where he said other people are going to do what they're going to do, about which, of course, he's correct. But I don't understand why the quick cave.
0: Mm. I don't get it. Yeah, that's that's a little disappointing. I'm a little little surprised to hear that uh, on on his part because he was that maverick. He was that you know pot stirrer in 2016 when it was a fait accompli that <coughs> Hillary Clinton was going to be the Democratic Party nominee. What do you think is the reason for that? I don't want to say that it's because Bernie's been bought and sold or is sold out or anything like that. Do you just think that the fear of a GOP well, presidency in 2024 just?
1: But but this is where I disagree with these people because they're saying we can't afford. Uh, to what? Have a primary debate? I don't understand. The Republicans had a robust primary in 16 and won. Mm -hmm. The Democrats had a robust primary in 20 and won. Mm -hmm. So this idea that if we have a robust primary, this somehow endangers our capacity to win. I think if anything, we should be having a very serious conversation among ourselves about how to beat the Republicans. So when I, the implication is almost like Marianne, Uh, Don't you understand how close the fascists are to the door? It's because I do. Mm. It is because I do understand it. I believe that the agenda and the personhood, to be honest, of Joe Biden, this is not going to be 2020. This is 2024. This is going to be a very different time. He's not going to be able to just sit in the basement. Um, some of the fears that we had, I think, uh, it will not be enough. So I think that the idea that we're not supposed to even have a deeper conversation, this is democracy. This is what we do in a democracy. So yes, I'm, I'm disappointed that anyone is rushing to support this idea that somehow the DNC should be able to shoehorn in the president for the nomination.
0: We've more with Marion Williamson. We've got a hard break to take here. Headlines at America One Radio and the America One Radio app. And then we're back with Marion Williamson running for president here in Atlanta to speak to folks, including yours truly. Hey, don't just listen to The Ron Show. Support The Ron Show. If you and your business would like to have your advertising done on this show, you know, it's pretty easy. You can drop me an email, ron at Ronshowetl.com. You can also call me anytime you like, 404-919-2725. You can also just be a listener if you don't have a business. I mean, that would be most of you, right? Follow us on your preferred podcast platform by following any of the links we've got provided for you there on the podcast tab at ronshowatl.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, links there for you as well. By the way, I guess I should mention, and I didn't give her a chance to do so, so I'll do this now, Marianne Williamson's official campaign website can be found at Marianne 2024.com. That is M A R I A N N E 2024.com. Learn more about Marianne and what she stands for and what she hopes to do when elected president if she is elected president. Again, that's Marianne2024.com. Marianne2024.com. Second half of The Ron Show for Wednesday, and we are on with 2024 presidential candidate Marianne Williamson. Can I tell you, by the way, you're inspiring to someone like me. I am, I tell people this all the time, I'm a 27th year sophomore at the University of Georgia. By that, I mean, I never finished college. I didn't either. And, I, well, that's what that's what I find inspiring. You have been very successful without a college degree, and there's been a lot of discussion about, do we need college degrees? In the workforce now, a lot of folks are taking that requirement off of uh, their their job screening and advertising for for positions to be filled, and you've seen in a few states, even I believe in Pennsylvania uh, was was the first that a lot of jobs at the state government level they took that requirement off. Do you think that is a positive
1: no, for actually. us? <clears throat> no i don't i think it's a it's a negative i don't want to i don't want anyone to look at my lack of a college degree and mm-hmm. think oh that's a great thing she thinks that's better i don't in any way think that's better i think education is important however i think i had an education mm-hmm. I, I was at pomona for 2 years but mm-hmm. then i did take take courses at other places, and I do feel I became an educated woman Mm -hmm. and, of course, try to continue that. So I think education is important, and I think a lot of this bias that I don't think is a positive, I think it's a negative in the culture, is coming from the fact that so many of these young people are carrying tens of thousands of dollars of college loan debt Mm -hmm. and are asking themselves, what the hell did I do this for? I have this tens of thousands of dollars of debt, which I have to tell you, the idea of carrying that kind of thing when you're in your 20s would be so crippling. Debt is crippling. It's an invisible chain, mm. and to put this on young people who who took out out those loans for no other reason than that they were trying to better themselves, that they wanted to be in the game, to soar, to produce, to create, and we're sitting on top of them. The banks sitting on top of top of them. This is so immoral. Mm. So a lot of these young people have said, "Well, wait a minute. I took out these loans. Now I have such a loan debt that I actually can't go work." In the business, in the area Mm -hmm. where I got my education, because the beginning pay is such that my promotional opportunities, I don't see how I'll ever pay off my college loan debt. So I'm going to have to go work at something else. And so why did I get this college degree? Mm -hmm. That's where a lot of that comes from. So no, I don't think it's a good thing at all. And I think once we get rid of this college loan debt, which I as president would do as soon as possible, all of it, Mm. um, then I think that that will begin to balance out. A liberal arts education is for something more than utilitarian purposes. Mm -hmm. There's something bigger going on here than that you get a job. There's something going on here called being a more expanded human being, broader understanding of the world. Our lack of education, I think, is at the heart of a lot of of what's going on that's so terrible in this country. (laughs) Clearly, you know, you had 11 states... <clears throat> who didn't even require half a year of American history, American civics, American government. If children are not learning, if if our eighth graders are not learning about the the Bill of Rights, how will they know to be horrified mm-hmm. later on in life when it's being decimated? You know, there is more than just the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, the power of education, what William... Butler Yates said, it's not the filling of a pail, it's the lighting of a fire.
0: And Henry Louis Gates, of course, is a huge proponent of us really learning our full American history. And it seems as if that <clears throat> mindset is under attack as well. And I think that contributes to a lot of the ills we see in our society today as well. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yes, there are people, particularly on the right, who just want to look at what America's done right and has no listening for what we've done wrong. I will say, however, there's some people on the left these days who only want to talk about what we've done wrong Mm. and have no listening for what we've done right. I think the, the American story is the juxtaposition of profoundly enlightened ideals and the fact that within every generation there have been forces who usually for their own economic purposes and ideological purposes did everything possible, including rampant violence Mm. to obstruct the manifestation of those ideals so yes the attack on education is absolutely part of the neo-fascist trend going on in certain places the attack on libraries banned books Mm. telling people particularly in black colleges black queer all that stuff you can't teach those courses who are you in the government it's so funny because it's coming from from corners of the uh, of the society that supposedly hate overreach by government yeah, right. or tyranny, talk about yeah. tyranny and overreach by government, yeah. banning books and telling class uh, colleges what they can teach is an example of that.
0: You uh, hit on something that I, I, I want to go ahead and pivot to since we're talking about individual freedoms and liberties. The the party that talks so much about it, individual freedoms and liberties is unless also you're
1: transgender unless you're a woman unless you're right. black.
0: Yeah, uh, again. It, it, and again I don't put this on Biden's desk as something that he did wrong but we've watched as a lot of these rights come under attack while he's president. How can you change that if sworn in?
1: Well first the first thing I would do and and the president has said the right things about transgender community but this is a this is a community under attack. I would uh make it a a protected class immediately, because it needs to be. I would certainly lean on my Department of Justice to vigorously investigate any civil rights violations um, concerning them. And I, you know, I certainly think it's hard as in the right place.
0: Do you think it's a violation of civil rights that uh, states like Georgia have banned gender affirming care for trans <clears throat> youth under well, the I age think, of 18?
1: The conversation for me has to do with what is reversible before the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Detractors will
0: look at you and say, you're not qualified, you don't have political experience, yada, yada, yada. You don't see that as a negative, though, do you? Look at the smile on your face. You're, you, I mean, that was, it was like red meat that I just threw away. Tell me, tell me
1: why that's... I mean, I, I, it's like my lack of a college degree. I'm not bragging about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not bragging about it, but I will say this. There are many po- good political car mechanics in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. The problem, however, is that we're on the wrong road. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of uh, Franklin Roosevelt who said that the most important job of the presidency is not administrative, it's moral leadership, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting if you look at the constitution, what did the founder say? The founder said that the president has to have been born here, has to be uh, 35 years or older, Mm -hmm. and has to have lived here for 14 years. Now, the constitution does not say that the president had to um, have been a lawyer, a governor, a congressperson, or Mm -hmm. a senator or a cabinet member, or anything like that. And I think the founders were saying with that, that it should be up to every generation to determine for itself the skill set that that generation feels is most required to lead us through a particular time in our history. So my qualifications are not that I've had a lot of experience effectuating and perpetuating that machine, My qualification is that I feel I could do something to help disrupt that machine. Mm -hmm. And I feel in a way I'm doing it right now. May I ask you where all the progressives are? Why am I the only one that you're talking to? Where the hell are they? It is difficult. They're lined up. They're lined up. So... People say, "How are you gonna do it?" I'm, I'm already doing it. Just say you know. I say this country has become like an alcoholic family system, mm-hmm. where there's all this agitation because mommy and daddy are both. There's so much that's not being said, mm. right? And the kids are. Hello. So I think sometimes there's an ameliorative to just saying certain things. And that's where the bully pulpit comes in. We need a president who names what is true. And when you have presidents who are at the behest of an unjust system, they're not going to call it out. I'm not of that system. I have no problem calling it out. That is, by the way, my expertise. I have helped people, thousands of people and organizations, move through very difficult, chaotic times. I have some expertise at how to endure those times Mm -hmm. and how to transform those times. And that is what is needed here. All that a country is, is a group of people. So I want to help the country do what I've helped thousands of individuals do. Okay, you're gonna have to look in the mirror. You're going to have to ask yourself: Am I who I say I am? Well, Do we I don't.
0: We already don't like doing that in this country. Thank Remember, you, we were just talking welcome. about our lack of education on really our own history.
1: A president? Well, I don't even think this is just a lack of education. Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, those guys—they're all Harvard people. No, no, I mean, so, I
0: mean, you know, I mean, there, there's a suppression of le- of learning our own history yes. through education.
1: Yes, but I think that what I'm talking about here, once again, Josh Hawley, uh, Ted Cruz, even even Joe Biden—they know our history. They are picking and choosing what they are going to. Talk about for their own political purposes mm. on that level those guys don't not know
0: yet there there have been i want to say it's the root uh shared an article uh, a few years back that talked about the textbooks that the likes of senator marcia blackburn and lindsey graham were raised on you know as history textbooks you know in the recon from 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 jim crow through the 1970s that really don't paint a full picture of american history and you're so they're
1: right. you're right but uh what was Barack Obama's excuse? He certainly knows. Yeah. Were there, was there much help with the mass incarceration? Was there? I mean, we've got to stop. Ex- you know, we, oh, we, we only condemn the Republicans, but uh. we have this codependent relationship with Democrats who uh, might have made some changes and simply chose not to.
0: So we're on with Marion Williamson running for president in 2024, and she is looking to be a disruptor on the left. It seems as if uh, since Joe Biden announced his reelection yesterday, as you've noted, most of the politicians on the left, including the likes of Bernie Sanders, have lined up to go ahead and endorse his candidacy for uh, the presidency in 2024 without considering a primary process. Say you are able to be that game changer, that disruptor, the one that uh, awakens the echoes and gets a movement to show up for you. How, if you're sworn in, are you going to be able to work with the same party that you will have to have combated
1: with to win that seat? Well, I am a Democrat. As I said before, I think of myself as a Roosevelt Democrat. Mm -hmm. There's an entire progressive wing of the Democratic Party who will feel very affirmed. I believe, by my presidency. The corporatist, elitist establishment wing of the Democratic Party will, the message of my election will be, you've had your time. You've had your time. You go back bench for a while. You know, when I was growing up, because then what are called progressive now would have been called liberal then, mm-hmm. they, they weren't treated like unru- unruly children who needed to sit down because the grown-ups were in charge. Yeah, it's going to be a, a different day.
0: Do you feel like the American public has been fed a steady diet of bad politics much like uh, you know some Americans who have you know health issues have eaten poorly for so long that they don't know what good food is they don't know when a good thing's coming uh, they yeah. they obviously didn't seem to know in 2016 that Bernie Sanders would have been a fantastic breath of fresh air for this country at the f- at the federal level
1: not only that Poll after poll after poll showed he would have he, won.
0: We know that. He, he would have won. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: not only that it would have been a breath of fresh air, but in re- relation to your first question, yes, people have been trained to expect too little. I'll give you an example. Mm. My friend Stephen Donziker was talking to him the other day, and he was talking about all his friends who had these very fancy environmental organizations. Mm. And I said, How can any of them go along with Biden when Biden has given more dwelling permits than Trump? He's okayed the Willow Project, he's okayed the exportation of LNG. And he said, well, they say to me, what else have we got? And I'm like, hello. Mm. Hello. So it's very odd to me. You don't see this among young people. Young people don't have these prejudices, and they're not jaded, and they're not trying to just figure out. You know what you see a lot of on the left? People who go, well, even though Biden, and you saw this with Obama as well, Mm. even though they're disappointing us, they return our calls. Mm. the Republicans don't even return our calls. These guys, you know, I remember it was Bar- Barbara Ehrenreich <clears throat> said something so brilliant years ago, and it was during the Clinton presidency, and she said, I'll tell you what killed the American left. Brilliant comment. Are you ready for this? Go for it. We've all been invited to the White House at least once.
0: You're speaking to a 49-year-old gay man who really... <clears throat> Over time got tired of being told, We've got your back, just mm-hmm. wait. And all they waited for was public hey, opinion let me polling. Ask you,
1: did you ever get invited to a Christmas party? Maybe you got a Christmas card, huh? Yeah,
0: maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. You got invited once. You got invited to a reception. Something going on in the rose garden. You got the Christmas card. Ooh. But, they yeah, but know it, what
0: they're doing. But at the same time, again, and this goes back to 2016, the thing that really angered me about the uh the the gay rights movement is how they they just lined up to endorse Hillary Clinton and were buying her "yes, Girl t-shirts and all that crap and ignoring the fact that there was one guy in the 1980s who was talking to and speaking up for the LGBTQ+, and they ignored him. Who was that? The human rights can Well, Bernie was. Bernie okay. was the guy in the 19. I mean, yeah. as, a, as a child of the 80s, I didn't see any other politician who was speaking up for what I was dealing with internally.
1: Well, you're talking to someone who has a visceral understanding of what you're talking about. I feel that even now with uh, about reparations and the fact that I've been... Nobody wants to talk about that either. I've been, I've been writing about them since 1998, my first book. And, um, you know, on the left, there's a lot of purity testing. Mm. On the left, there's a lot of, you have to agree with me, not only on this issue, this issue, this issue, and this issue, but you're not good enough unless you uh, also agree with me on every other issue. And not only that, you need to say it the way I want you to say it. I don't want the details... Uh, that you support to be the same. You know, I, um, though, have seen something else when it comes to my candidacy that surprises me. Places where I do line up with exactly how somebody sees it, exactly how somebody details it. But I don't know, maybe because I'm a baby boomer, so I came in through a different door, you know. Mm. Um, Just not in the club. The left has its own clubbishness, you know. Mm. Uh, They're a club and you're not in it. The left has its own stuff.
0: We've got just a few more minutes with Marion Williamson joining us uh, here in Atlanta today. I want to thank you for that. We'll come back after this on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com. You can catch this entire interview and past episodes of The Ron Show as well at RonShowATL.com. We are back with Marion Williamson, who is joining us running for president in 2024, and she is looking to upset the process a little bit by running for the Democratic Party nomination. We all have the fresh memory of 2016, though, and how the DNC did all they could to make sure that that primary process wasn't to be. So how different do you think it'll be this time?
1: Well, Chuck Ugar said somebody's going to break through. Bernie didn't totally break through, but I think he created more the space for there to be someone like me. I may or may not break through, but if nothing else, we'll create more space for the next person. We don't have time to tarry, however. I think that's the urgency of this moment. I don't have anything going on like only I can do it, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's happening here at all. I think of my campaign as a tuning fork, but I think that the chords are out there. Mm. I think that You know, something that I read once about myself in an article. Well, she says what everybody else is saying. She talks about what everybody else is talking about. But she does it on stage when the lights are on and the mics are on. Mm. So everybody's like, I can't believe she said that. Not because I said anything they're not already talking about. Mm -hmm. And I, I see this campaign. It's like, ooh, we can actually talk about capitalism, yeah, actually, we could, we'd could. we be better off if we did have a conversation about it.
0: Well, I was going to tell you, too, that one of the things that you motivate me a little bit, uh, I, like I said, I, too, am a college dropout. And it's been one of those things in the back of my head that I told myself, well, I don't need to run for office. That's something that's going to come up, et cetera, and so on. But no, I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Life experience Zuckerberg, is an education.
1: Jeff Geffen, right? Gates. Yeah, I mean, yeah. hello. You know who the U.S. president was who didn't have a college degree?
0: I guess it would be the first one, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, Washington, yeah. Yeah, didn't have a college degree. And he was kind of, um was had okay. an issue about it.
0: It's my understanding that outside of Atlanta, where I don't think the story feels as big as it should, but it is big nationally and internationally, is the Cop City discussion, the Atlanta Police Training Facility that they want to build in DeKalb County. What are your thoughts on how this has all played out?
1: Cop City is very much a national issue because it's the effort to create the template for a police state. They have plans to do this all over the country
0: but democrats are the ones that are rubber stamping it here
1: shocking i'll tell you just shock oh gosh the sarcasm i love it go ahead it's a, it's a terrible, terrible idea. It increases an us-versus-them mentality at the very moment when that us-versus-them th- mentality has become so dangerous and toxic. We need to be doing everything we can to build relationships among law enforcement and the communities that they serve, not separating them out. We already have too many points of separation there there are so many dangerous possibilities there including the fact that it's very difficult to have real community oversight mm-hmm. of a of a project like that because they're inside this this hole of sorts and it becomes a kind of this space that can't easily be penetrated by citizen oversight and then of course the death of tortuquita You know, Stephen Donziker is a friend of mine, and as I'm sure you're aware, he was uh, prosecuted by Chevron. Uh, The U.S. legal system actually allowed Chevron to come in and use a U.S. courtroom to prosecute a a private citizen. Why? Because that private citizen was and is uh, an environmental lawyer who had challenged them and had won on behalf of the farmers of Ecuador who had been poisoned by oil in their in their vicinity. The prosecution of Stephen Donziker was for a purpose. It's to have a chilling effect on environmental activists and environmental lawyers who might want to challenge the power of big oil. The death of Tortuquita is so horrifying on so many levels. Mm-hmm. It appears that it was an execution style murder. There were fourteen bullets that went into him, something like fifty seven wounds. Mm-hmm. His hands were up in the air. And protest is legal. You know, this is a bigger topic than just environmental protesters too. There is through Homeland Department of Homeland Security this greater and greater idea on both they're doing it on the both on both left and right, that what we would think of as a p- protester exercising their constitutional right of peaceful assembly uh, are labeled domestic terrorists. You had an incident just the other night at Emory University mm-hmm. where some students gathered on the quad. Mm-hmm. This is our constitutional right. They wanted to protest Cop City, and right. they were told that if they didn't disperse, they would be they would be arrested. So this is very, very dangerous. From Tortiquita to the very idea of a Cop City, to the way these protesters have been treated, to the fact that some of them have been put in Jailed, denied bail. This is a very, very dangerous situation. So absolutely, there it has garnered a lot of interest, including my own from people outside Atlanta. That lease should be canceled. There needs to be an independent investigation of Tortuquito's death. Because as you probably know, the police have now closed their investigation. There's nothing transparent. They've handed over to a to a Trump-supporting right-wing prosecutor, where. Theoretically, it would just sort of go to die. No, there needs to be an independent prosecutor, hopefully uh, appointed by Merrick Garland. This should not be the end of the story. And I have to tell you, I have a lot of admiration for all the people in Atlanta and the surrounding areas that are taking such a brave stance around Cop City. We had a meeting just yesterday with some of the young activists, and they're the best of America.
0: Can all of what's wrong with this country be righted Through the process we have in place, the representative republic that we have in place, the 50 states with the artificial lines that give precedence to rural voters, gerrymandering, can all of this be fixed and how?
1: Yes, but not easily and not quickly. This is a country that responded to slavery with abolition. Mm. We responded to the institutionalized suppression of women with the women's suffragist movement and the 19th Amendment. We responded to the Gilded Age with the establishment of the labor movement. We responded to segregation with the civil rights movement. It's simply our turn. Let's just make sure that we don't wimp out on doing what needs to be done. Let's not be the first generation that just goes, oh, okay. Yes, it's hard. It was hard for them, too. I'm sure it was very traumatizing to walk across the bridge at Selma. I mean, come on, guys. Everybody needs to toughen up here, and we need to become fierce. There's some qualities in our own personhood that we need to develop at this time, starting with what happened yesterday. What the hell? Who have we become? Oh, okay. We're saying, oh, okay, to things that our ancestors would not have said, oh, okay, to. So can it be done? Uh, yes, we, we need a revolution at the ballot box. Uh, we need people to stand up. We need, we're need. we already seeing a, a wonderful reemergence of the labor movement. We need the same thing happening in the political sphere. I know that we were all very, very disappointed by what happened to Bernie, but that was then and this is now. And this is time to rise up as we did then. I think it's going to take at least 10 years mm. to really turn this ship around, to make that just transition mm. from a dirty economy to a clean economy, from a war economy to a peace economy, and from an unjust economy to a just economy. But we can at least get seriously started on the effort in a way that everybody can feel. And if I'm president, I believe we will.
0: Marion Williamson running for president in 2024. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate the conversation.
1: Thank you very much.